Hello, and welcome to Cast a Pot to Your Witcher. I'm your co-host, Dov. I'm your co-host, Aaron. And I'm your co-host, Max. And today we're discussing... Well, really, it's the sub-up episode for the entire The Last Wish anthology. Yeah. Um, so, I think... There, 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 I think we were really... What are the themes we could be, you know, we could be pretentious and go through this kind of stuff. What are the themes? What's the overriding story of this? But I'm not sure it's really appropriate in what is effectively an anthology loosely tied together with some interstitials. Well, I, exactly. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, like, the, the thought that comes to mind is that the main theme was that um, uh, after writing Sword of Destiny, Sapex sat down and was like, yeah, well, I should tie all the older things back together into a book, <laughs> shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yes, precisely. Um, which is which is cool, actually, because I think it's, um, I think in one of the previous episodes, uh, one of you guys, maybe it was Megs, said that it was just like, if when... Tolkien was writing the Lord of the Rings if he just like released them like chapter by chapter and we'd gotten to see sort of like the mess of what everything was instead of like the totally coherent world building. Aye, aye. I, I, just... I think that still holds, yeah. Um, like, it, like, less, less, even, less even like Lord of the Rings and more like if the Silmarillion had been provided as yes, oh my God. <laughs> as a, in serialized form. <laughs> <laughs> And released before everything else. Aye. Like, if, if we if we just got little bits of the Silmarillion in fantasy magazines in Polish. <laughs> I think that is... I think judging The Last Wish as a novel would be very, very silly to do. You cannot judge it as a novel. You have to judge yes. it as an anthology that's loosely linked together. And Indeed. take it in that term and kind of... Because if you if you judge it as a novel, it's completely janky. The structure is all over the place. Yeah. The chronology doesn't make sense. The character development's the weird. The interstitials contradict what's in the chapters. <laughs> yeah. I know I know surprising amounts of people who basically um, came into The Witcher through the games, mm. um, read The Last Wish, and were like, "What the fuck is this garbage? None of this makes sense." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like they're like they're like, I can tell this is good writing, but I don't understand understand what the overarching theme is meant to be <laughs> like you know what okay so famously i came into this through the show and like was obsessed and rewatched the show a ton of times before i ever even started reading the books um so coming to the last wish from the show it was immensely gratifying to find that the show did a great job of adapting the what the fuck is going on none of this makes sense none of this is any, any order <laughs> perfectly it wasn't some weird innovation of the show the timeline in these books makes no sense even in the novels yeah it makes even less sense of course when it's just a collection of short stories stitched together i but like i, I think i think there's there's like you know um well, there's definitely like no intentional logic to it, uh, but there is a kind of retroactive logic, right? Like where, um, like the last wish is above anything else. Like the way we have it as as a mythology of the earliest short stories about Geralt, uh, the way we have it is essentially as an introduction into Geralt as a character. Like, and of course, like this being a very like you know personality and character driven series altogether uh, th that feels just you know just feels quite significant yeah pretty much i mean it is just snapshots of his life and major 
the traumas that frame him. It is is literally is literally like you know a day in the life of a witcher, like <laughs> done several times. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, because I came to it through the prism of the games and then the show, I viewed it as a prequel. When obviously it's not a prequel, it is in fact the start of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. you read the books in order, so for you, it's the, just the story and you yeah. Know, I- and the I games guess, are like, the Star you know, Wars sequels. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I, <laughs> kind of. Uh, yeah. Um, non canon, pretending they didn't happen. <laughs> cy- cyberpunk is is um, the Rise of Skywalker of the Witcherverse, um, <laughs> in the sense that it will not happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's even perhaps something like when you when you come into into it um, like. Like, I mean, actually, it's worth noting that for me, it was also kind of a prequel, because the first book I, w- I read was actually Blood of Elves. Like, oh, so I... So that I must stu- have been fucking weird. It wasn't, actually. Like, you know, like, I mean, like, you, you are kind of thrown off the deep end, but, like, you know when you're, like, when you read, like, books as a 13-year-old, you just sort of go, like, oh, yeah, okay, well, these are characters, like, probably mentioned somewhere else that I just am not familiar with. Like... And just you accept it and move on, I guess. Yeah, like, um... And and it, it wasn't actually the most incoherent thing ever, because, like, obviously Blood of Elves is the first real novel, right? Mm-hmm. So mm. f- for me, all the short stories, The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny, were also prequels of sorts. Huh. Um, and, and actually, like you know, uh, b- because I mean, it's probably it's probably worth talking about this because like I I don't know any other people who accidentally started with Blood of Elves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because of that, to me, my perspective was always actually that like I I was kind of thrown into just already a pre-existing world and a story that seemed to pick up from like not not quite the beginning but also not far from it um so -hmm. like when i read the short stories they were actually like a kind of interesting like expanded universe to what for me was initially just the novel series because i i genuinely think i I think i powered through all the novels before i actually read the short stories huh that's really interesting you know i was gonna i'll probably get into this more when you get to the end of sword of destiny but um, i should probably say here that when we do these um sum up episodes we are full spoilers so uh Mm. spoilers ahead i'll probably talk about this more when we get to the end of sword of destiny but um i really love the short stories and I think going from the short stories to the novels was a bit of a um that was actually a bit of a mind fuck I think it's interesting that you you started with the novels so I think when you start with the short stories which admittedly I started with the show but like when you start with the short stories you spend a lot of time just with Geralt and in Geralt's head because the short stories are about Geralt and they're like from his perspective and uh, in a way they're they're largely informed sort of by his trauma and his way of thinking and then when you get the novels you spend like progressively less time with Geralt yes and progressively less time in his head yes and spend more time not just with Ciri and a little bit with Yennefer but also being sort of you're thrown into minor characters heads a lot like in the novels or like Applejack and stuff Applegat um like Dykstra Dykstra yeah sometimes just the the voice of the sort of all-knowing narrator of history yeah. who's telling you about something that happened 200 <laughs> years later um, <laughs> little I deserved <Yeah>. better <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> fucking hell as he as he deserves better <laughs> yes 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think it's really interesting that like because you started with the novels, you started with this like sort of yeah. scattered approach. Um, whereas I actually found it really jarring moving on to Blood of Elves from the short stories, uh, and felt like this is weird. But I started feeling like I missed Geralt. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, like that completely makes sense to me because like in 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 the later rereads, actually, I did find, generally speaking, that. Um, it is quite striking sometimes i mean like obviously sometimes like in the city chapters like while i love city as a character and i find her chapters extremely interesting some of it is you know shit like her trying to survive the desert and i end up going Mm -hmm. like okay but like what's going on with Geralt, right like you know like um (laughs) can we like pan back to the northern kingdoms just for a little bit like yeah, and it's both that when you're in the action with somebody else, I missed Geralt, but also even when you're with Geralt, there's a different narrator narrator's voice because it isn't always yeah yeah his voice. Yeah, the narrator's tone changes. Whereas I think in the short stories, you get a sense of his voice. Yeah, which is good, right? You know what? What's what is really was really like quite ironic. Like uh, I think I said this the other day is that like The Witcher is basically a, you know like a Disney like fucking film where the parents don't actually die and instead become party members um yeah. like in that in that the the main character of the novels actually turns out to really be Siri and Geralt and Yen are basically the main character's parents yes. and I, I just find that quite quite interesting in the context of uh, you know like the the Corin and the Senna story because it's almost like oh, we're yes. kind of like you know um <laughs> where we're kind of dealing with like um while obviously in in Geralt and Ciri's case she's not like his literal daughter but we're basically dealing with three generations of the same family Mm. like um like in the sense that um in the Corrid Viseda story kind of centers on Viseda's perspective the short stories kind of center on Geralt and the uh novels like split their time between Geralt, Yen, and Ciri in the predominant and some like minor characters. So you almost end up with like this kind of Skywalker family saga, you know? Yeah, except good. Except good, right. <laughs> like Yeah, at least Ciri's story doesn't get fucked over like Ray's. So Yeah. Yeah. Poor we guy. are we are She's not going father. to talk about Star Wars on here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we already spent so much time slagging both Game of Thrones and Harry Potter. We would really probably start getting ourselves in trouble. If we well, I actually like Star, Star Wars, Wars. To be fair, I know uh, I do. I love Star uh, Wars. Uh, we all we all love Star Wars, and precisely why that's why we're not going to revisit every single thing that we possibly could say about them here <laughs> although i have started watching the next generation and i unfortunately do really like star trek as well now which is unfortunate oh Max, i'm so happy i'm so happy <laughs> everyone's watching tng right now like a bunch of people got into tng dom you're doing a tng watch right now too huh yeah i'm re-watching it and stuff yep yeah i'm only three seasons in so let's not spoil <laughs> okay i won't spoil anything but you're getting into the good stuff and i'm so happy <laughs> i have to be fair I, i'm like you know almost 30 i watched the episodes on tv when they were first being broadcast just it was like 20 years ago so i can't remember any of them god you people are old <laughs> oh, <stop>. mean <laughs> it's just uncalled for <laughs> you fucking baby <laughs> With no, your I'm sorry. Ability I'm sorry, to sleep, I'm your ability to sleep in strange positions and function the next day, and your ability to um, bend over and Meg- pick things up easily. Uh, Megs, 
Kirkdov sprained his ankle really bad yesterday. I, like, yes, yeah, strange <laughs> positions is probably not the best, like, subject to bring up right now. I, I twisted my leg in quite a strange position the, uh, yesterday, yeah. Oh, welcome. <laughs> okay, I'll, you I'm have my I'm sorry, sympathy. guys, you're not old, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I'm just, you know, I'm not actually upset by it. I just feel like I need to play along. Um, but um... I think um, to, to, to drag us ruthlessly back onto topic. <laughs> I, thank you, Max. I yes. think um, one of the interesting things that should be taken away from The Last Wish is how it's used in the context of the wider canon and what parts are taken away from it, what parts are left in when yes. you're telling other stories. Because... When you play the Witcher 1 game, it's clear that it's borrowing a lot from a lot of the themes in The Last Wish, but completely yes. omitting two of the main characters. So, like, the feel of yes. cities being, you know, full of shit and dirty and the story about the Zoigles and all this kind of stuff, that, uh, you know, the tone of everything feels very Last Wish, but the story is completely different. Yeah, but you still have, you know, Ada in there, and, and it opens with the scene of the Striga, um... But I so think you're on also onto something there, like, even in a broader sense, and that, like, you know, like, obviously there's this entire thing, like, where basically Siri and Yen were not in the first ga Witcher game simply because the um, studio just decided they didn't like them as characters. Yeah. Which, by the way, still, what the hell, CD Projekt Red. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, like, but, like, um, in, that, in that regard, obviously, minus... Yen of sorts, um, like it is actually resemblant a lot of the Last Wish of like the original short stories, and that like they're sent like just like those short stories, the game is centered around Geralt, and it deliberately draws on a lot of those themes, um, like because like obviously even though like you know it's set like several decades in the future from mm. when these short stories take place they like kind of like you know constantly like reiterate various just elements of these that you've mm. reskinned in some new way and like given new names and stuff like you know as a kind of <laughs> take advantage of the fact that most of the western audience that's gonna be playing these games has not read these books kind of yeah. way <laughs> like uh, well i mean they weren't uh, the translations weren't released until well after exactly like, uh yeah. so um like you know like like there's 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 clearly an influence going on i think in especially the first witcher game where it is influenced more by these short stories than by the novels yeah i, I think that's interesting as well because of how different in witcher 2 is because that then borrows much more heavily from game of thrones um and it's also, not also the novels Hunt, as well actually because like it, it just like goes pretty hard on like um on the score actually yeah and 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 well the first the first one did as well but that that was like kind like um not just the Skytel, but just like you know like i know there's something more like i i remember i remember when when the second game came out um actually uh, one of the comments i saw online um was uh some gamer dude um like like complaining about the second like about the second game 
because in his opinion, while the first while the first one was more dark fantasy, the second was one was much more epic fantasy. And I was just reading that I was going like, I do not understand this complaint because <laughs> if you've read the actual Witcher books, like they kind of indeed go for less dark, more epic, like well, yeah, starting indeed, with a, the yeah. novels. The the. There's a bloody short yeah. story about them finding the last dragon egg and stuff yeah. like, like that. I mean, frankly, no, yeah, not yeah. not even the novels. Just like even already, yeah, Sword of Destiny already adopts a much more high fantasy rather than low fantasy kind of style yeah. to it. Like, like, and and uh, and and, uh, and and indeed, you maybe even like see something like this play, like because like um, I do think that like I kind of like I kind of see where that person was coming from in the app store i mean i think it's a completely nonsense comment because nobody who says that the witcher 2 is a worse game than the witcher 1 <laughs> is a reasonable human being <laughs> like no offense like personal taste is unaccountable for but that is a nonsense comment <laughs> like that's that's kind of like saying that you prefer the commodore like to computer to a windows 10 like <laughs> like yeah. um but right like <laughs> but i mean like why would they like it just doesn't yeah it just doesn't make any sense to complain about yeah the but like but games not being dark enough or whatever when the stories like the sort of destiny literally has a story where they like chase a like doppler gnome around a city Ex and go to a brothel yeah and i mean story. it is literally a wild <laughs> goose chase like 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 yeah. like um there there is there is very little dark in the grimdark Game of Thrones sense going on in The Witcher overall. But I think I see what's going on when you look at, like, when you compare specifically the stories in The Last Wish to pretty much anything mm -hmm. that came after, including Sword of mm -hmm. Destiny. Because um, mm -hmm. certainly, like, well, for instance, The Witcher, the original short story, right, um, mm -hmm. is quite dark. And it is quite dark in, in ways that are like almost like you know like 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 incongruous with like the rest of the series. Um because mm. like for instance it depicts Geralt as pretty much an arsehole. Yeah, okay. So Geralt's characterization in The Witcher in the first short story is t entirely incongruent with his his later um his later depictions. But I would say the overall tone isn't. I mean, it sets right from the very beginning. It sets the groundwork for uh, a series that is really, really interested in questions of morality and what constitutes evil and what constitutes good and what is a, a, a what is a compromise that you need to be willing to make and what it means to live in a world where choices are gray and difficult and you never know if you did the right thing and that is so much more interesting than almost any question game of thrones slash a song of ice and fire ever asks and that was in the first story like th i i don't i don't necessarily disagree um i i think there's definitely a point there it's just that like i think that like part of that might have been like less deliberate than it becomes later on Game of Thrones is medievalist like, porn. That's pretty much what Game yeah. of Thrones is. <laughs> Game, Game, of Fro Game of Thrones is a porn parody of The Witcher, but like you know. Um... <laughs> oh my god! Do you guys do you guys want to hear some English language publication order horror? By the way, when it comes to like what order people should read the books in. Oh no! Oh god! Go on. Okay. So the complete compilation of The Last Wish was published in English in 2007. The complete compilation of Sword of Destiny was published in English in 2015. What? 
and they published Blood of they Elves before the Sword of Destiny. Wish, Blood of Elves. So they did The Last Wish, Blood of Elves, Time of Contempt, Baptism, Baptism of Fire, then Sword of Destiny. Yes. Tower of the Swallows. That's a whole thing. Season of Storms. That's a whole thing. Um. <laughs> Which explains why when I went to the Waterstones that one time, they were like, no, Sword of Destiny is the optional last one. I was like, no, it isn't. It is the essential. You have no idea what you're talking about if you haven't read it one. But... Um, yeah, no, it's it's there's there's some there's some there's something there, but like um to go back to like The Witcher, I think that like um while you're, while you definitely have a point about like how there's much more interesting questions of morality already than there ever are in Game of Thrones, um mm-hmm. because it's like I mean it's one of his very like very very first like fantasy short stories in general. I think that was still less deliberate than it becomes later on. Like, I think, like, he clearly, like, identified after probably, you know, hearing some people's takes on his writing that he does this sort of thing really well, it comes to him naturally, and lent into it more heavily in things like, for instance, the Nivellen short story. Mm-hmm. Like... Oh god, that story. Yeah. Um, oh, the last, like, couple of pages of that story. Yeah. Like, um, like, uh, but, but I think in The Witcher originally, he still hadn't had such a clear concept of what he is wanting to do, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's understandable because it was like the first time he introduces Geralt ever. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, you know, looking back at it now, I could see why someone who had played the witcher one very heavily influenced by still this very very these very very early conceptions of um the universe and Geralt and everything because like obviously like, it draws on the novels as well but there is definitely something going on there where it, where it really feels to me like it has i can't explain it but it feels to me like it has the same aesthetic as the last wish um while mm. two is a lot more like the novels and the f- and the third one just leans very heavily into basically the entire narco arc of the novel series um yeah so, so it is interesting talking about darkness and grimness um especially like some of the sillier stories in sort of destiny and the sort of dark aesthetic of the last wish when i actually found up until about mm, when regis starts sort of lecturing about morality in the middle of baptism of fire all of baptism of fire to be like one long misery parade yeah 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 like oh, but baptism of fire is a long misery parade in a way that is humanly understandable like uh, yeah. Like, like, like. Oh, Regis is too good for this world. Yeah. yeah. He's too good for any world. He's too good. He's too good I for mean, any that's... world. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, to be fair, I mean, is that's... literally why he is in that world alongside all the other higher vampires. Yes. In the sense that the conjunction I mean, of I... the spheres happened. Yes. Yes. Exactly. He's not from that world. <laughs> like, um, but but, um... but like, I I think you're definitely right. Like, you know, in the sense that baptism of fire is the fucking misery parade, but it is a misery. But it's a misery parade in a very, in a very basically kind of like you know anyone who has ever had like you know depression of any kind, right? Like yeah. real <laughs> normal, normal real world depression, um, yeah. like will understand baptism of fire and understand yeah. the darkness portrayed there. Like I mean, probably TMI, but I was like two months out of a years long depression when I read Baptism. Of Fire. I mean, like I, <laughs> um, you know, like yeah, like I wasn't that long out of one. Like when I was doing my reread after after December, like um, anyone who has ever suffered in a basic human way will understand 
the darkness of the ba- of, of baptism of fire where it is a particular kind of like you know very human darkness where like just things just fucking suck all right like you know yeah um and i found it so cathartic when then so the thing with baptism of fire is unlike the yes keep comparing things to song of ice and fire and i said i would stop but unlike the unrelenting misery of a song of ice and fire baptism of fire is both sad and a misery parade in a a human as you say a human way that is easily understandable to anyone who has really just been through the darkness and also builds up to like a catharsis with that scene in the camp with regis yes where he just like lays out all of Geralt's miseries and self-flagellations, you know, basically in a much more eloquent eloquent way says, like, you have people who love you and you need to trust them and yeah. not feel like you have to carry these burdens alone. And it was so cathartic Yeah. Um, after having been put through the ringer by the first half of that book. Like, but yeah, like, yeah. But like, this is, this is like a point I wanted to actually make about Song of Ice and Fire, which is that like... Like, um, when Sapik does darkness, like, when Sapik even does, like, you know, human shittiness, let's, you know, put it straight up, like, you know, like, when, 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 like, when something evil is committed, right, you can understand Mm. how that particular evil exists, like, you know, like, it's, like, even if it's, like, something so brutal, like, um, that, like, no normal human being should, like, in any way like do anything other than condemn it you can at least imagine that it's there like it's from a bit in a, on a basic this sort of horrible shit happens in the real world too kind of thing well it's, Whereas, it's like Vilgefortz is a nazi scientist basically exactly right yeah Vilgefortz is a nazi scientist we've all we've all seen films about nazi scientists we can understand the concept right like whereas <laughs> conversely um like, you know, when you read A Song of Ice and Fire, and this is also part of its pull, and I don't think, you know, like, anyone can really deny it, like, that that's what attracts a lot of people to indulge themselves into in the torture of A Song of Ice and Fire, um, is actually, literally, that they're, the evil there is not human. Like, you know, it's not, like, like half the shit that is done in A Song of Ice and Fire, like... Um, happens, like, would happen, like, with actual people so exceedingly and stupidly rarely that you kind of actually, like, end up going, okay, but come on, man, you are, you are now just, like, you know, inserting various forms of torture just because... Not... It's so a lot of the time it's shock for the sake of shock. It doesn't necessarily exactly. move the story along. It's just can yeah. I make this character look evil by making him doing yeah exactly evil thing. That's it. It's just exactly. sort of spectacle. It's horror. It's, it's, and in fact, it's not yeah. even it's not even to make the character look evil. It's to make the world look evil. Mm. Like it's to make it's mm. to make the universe in in which it's set look so horribly unforgiving that every single human being in it is to some degree a monster. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it's not... There are some elements of, you know, needless cruelty and all that kind of thing within The Witcher itself, but it all, ma- as you say, it makes sense. Like, you know, when um, the Scoia'tael kills Applegats just randomly, because they see a man on a horse, they fire, they shoot an arrow into his back, you know? Yeah, because it you go... Sense, you go that's what yeah. the Scoia'tael do. He's a messenger. Why would but, they but, kill him? But you, you also, you also yeah. just go like, yeah, I mean... A, a fucking brutal ethnic conflict is going on where, yes, 
the sides are just willing to kill people on sight. Yeah, it's a war, yeah. but it's an ethnic war. Yeah, sure, yeah. it's genocides, but that's what happens. It makes sense. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. you know, the Red exactly. Wedding like, or anything like, you, like that. You go, you go, none of this is like, you know, like, violence that isn't, is, is only there to cause shock or to twist the plot in a way that the reader did not expect. It's violence that is there because that like you know it is the logical conclusion of the way the world is built mm. mm-hmm. yes and of course um possibly to drag us back onto the topic um what's great with the last wish is that we actually even though it it wasn't really meant to be this it does such an excellent job of laying the groundwork of that world both in terms of the stories and retrospectively as he went back and wrote those interstitials but yeah because you get you get you know sort of the sight of the even the fairy the warping of the fairy tales or actually one could say a more accurate representation of what fairy tales actually (laughs) were when they were originally told you know the one with the the broxa and you know the beauty and the beast story that it's a mm-hmm. phenomenal short story in its own right and it, it does tell you so much mm-hmm. about you know the cynicism of the world and you know these merchants were bringing these daughters here not because they were evil but because you know for a lot of them it was, it was a decent few years for their daughter it gave them a life um, and they got some money out of it so it was I mean they're, a like a, a literal local tradition basically started for merchants to just send their daughters there yeah yeah it wasn't random acts of yeah. evil or anything in many cases it was almost an act of mercy because you know they might have had a miserable awful life and instead they got to live in the lap of luxury with this strange man who as far as we know generally treated them quite well which in the world as it's constructed for a lot of women was you know it was a great place to be a woman horrible things happen to women yeah. in other places in that world yeah 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 what's being sold for a couple of years if you come away with a dowry <laughs> well it's, it's essentially yeah it's <laughs> Is it any worse than a lot of the other jobs that they could have been thrown into in that world? God, is Sapic turning us into neoliberals? Is that what's going on? Like... That was his goal, wasn't it? Angie, if you're out there, you have to stop. <laughs> well, that's it. All, all fantasies, this is one thing I've realised from watching TNG, is that you know, everyone always says it, but the point of sci-fi and fantasy is not just to tell stories about cool dragons and stuff, it's to tell stories of humanity with everything else acting as enablers for good, fun stories to be told. Like, you know, in the next generation, they'll talk about, oh, we've made a race of super soldiers, they can't fit back into humanity, into whatever race they were, so we have to put them all in this big, massive moon prison because um, it's the only place where they can survive and then a civil war breaks out and all that kind of thing. That's telling a very human story about how we turn people into monsters to go to war and then they can't adjust when they get back into society. Yeah. But just yeah. told with, mm-hmm. you know, laser guns and teleportation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and The Witcher is the same in the sense that this is this is really a story about, like, you know, like, when the humans are fallible in it, it's like always countered with like you know this this con like i mean i i have to say that you don't get as much of it in the last wish just yet just just to just to keep us on topic of the particular book that we've just read um but like later on especially in the series you do you do see a lot of like 
how basically for every horrible act of human shittiness, there are wonderful acts of human kindness and understanding and just being wonderful to each other, even in like shitty conditions. It's just nice. Yes. I mean, less, I mean, yeah, a little bit of it in The Last Wish, but I mean, I will, I mean, I say this all the time. I say it on Twitter all the time. I will never, ever get over the fact that in this, in this series, the like key moment of um you know Geralt and Siri reuniting I mean this isn't a spoiler because everyone's watched the show is just because Gerga is a solid dude and his wife was kind <laughs> to an orphan girl yeah 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 like yeah, small yeah. acts of that's seemingly what inc- made destiny happen yeah yeah it's small acts of inconsequential kindness that have world-changing impacts yeah it's human yeah. in yeah. other words yeah yeah like whereas you know conversely if you t- if you extend this analogy and again, I know we've said we won't talk about a, a song of ice and fire, but I feel like we have to just because, <laughs> like, this this has this is also on the side. Cast the pot to your Witcher, the podcast where we explain why George R. R. Martin is not as good a writer as Andrzej Sapkowski. Um, <laughs> like, um, but you know, if you extend that analogy about like you know that like fantasy is about telling us about a particular understanding of what humanity is about quote-unquote to a song of ice and fire that you that you very quickly end up with like you know the the best most positive conclusion that you could ever derive from a song of ice and fire in that regard and this is like as i say the least grimdark one is that um even a smidgen of power corrupts absolutely yeah (laughs) like and that's the most positive one like because also to be totally honest even people without power behave horribly in that book series yeah and all the good people are fundamentally actually quite dim foolish and any- and naive yeah like no the all all quote unquote good characters in a song of ice and fire turn out to either be secretly evil yeah or fools I mean, look at john snow for crying out loud or john targaryen as he is in the tv series um which one is he because he's both a fool and secretly <laughs> evil oh he does enable a genocidal killer yeah <laughs> he he enables a genocide he basically betrays his girlfriend i don't think john snow is a good person well we spent a what probably 40 minutes arguing about Jon Snow the other day, so... We are not going to rehash the Jon Snow parentage <laughs> argument. Like... <laughs> he is at like, best desperately naive about power, I think is what you can say. He is at best desperately naive about power, and also kite Like, I mean, the thing is, when he becomes Lord Commander, he ge- like, the way he genuinely, like, thinks and talks about things, um, also immediately reeks of the low-key dictator in the making kind of thing yeah yeah <laughs> like which i mean he is lord commander he's not fucking president-elect <laughs> i know i know i know right wait wait wait, wait. what was the topic <laughs> look i don't expect i don't expect anything good from him but all i'm saying is that i think that all of this all of this is is a lot is is a logical trajectory for someone who's enough of an arsehole to basically betray his girlfriend for quote-unquote honor yeah no for sure he should have stayed in that cave with a grit yeah um so dear listeners would it not be said that when we criticize a song of ice and fire it doesn't come from a place of having read it a shitload of times and thought about it a lot (laughs) yes 
<laughs> I, I, like, I, I do, I do want to note that Erin did not say from a place of love, and I will not say that. <laughs> a place of mere obsession, but <laughs> uncontroversially, you can say the story is very compelling. Um, it is that very is the word compelling. I, I say through gritted teeth. I think maybe George R. R. Martin just had a bit of what he wanted to do run away from him a bit because he did he always says that the thing that motivates him is that he wants to write the human heart in conflict with itself and he puts his characters in extreme situations because he wants to provoke very difficult choices and write that conflict and sometimes he does a good job of that John made a terrible choice with Igrit but that was a good job of exploring the conflict between you know love and duty and the 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 wider world's needs and blah 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 and obviously he chose wrong and I don't love it but like that is what he was trying to do and like Ned's conflicts over again like honor versus loyalty to his family versus you know trying to do what he could to protect Sansa and Arya without while yeah anyway like he does a good job of it sometimes but uh, it just runs away he's the ultimate pantser the rest of the time (laughs) moments of balance aside though yes um (laughs) and does all that interrogation of the human condition but without being without 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 sounding like a massive creep most, most of the time most of the time i do want to i do want to be clear the emphasis is on most. Sorry, yes. Angie. There are some wonderful, but like we will have to talk about some things. Sexies. There's also some in not good yeah, in the sword of destiny, <laughs> and in um and in the last two books like, with the yeah. the knight and Siri, the one who dies on her. Mm, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Look, I stand by Siri, but I do not stand what happened with Missile. Yeah, but that's um, a story yeah. for I, 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 I have to, I have to also like you know that's a story for another day. In the in the interim, I, I have to also say that like you know whatever, whatever sometimes failings he might have, and I do think that Angie understands quote unquote the human heart and the conflict with itself better than Martin mm. does because mm-hmm. Martin is surprisingly actually I will I will honestly say this to him he is surprisingly good with it when he tries to write characters that um, are driven primarily by virtues such as like you know honor and justice and such because ned and john and rob all have like really fascinating character conflicts but Mm -hmm. if they don't if they don't have like some sort of like abstract morality idea guiding them they immediately become self-serving sociopaths who are in no way in any sort of conflict with their own hearts because they basically Mm -hmm. just kill their way to the top Yeah, I mean, obviously Sam is the best one for having like a lot of internal goodness that he then has to like, yeah. figure out how to make work with his job, fear and trauma and everything else, and his job and his job. Yeah, like uh, either way, this is not this is not a, a, the Song of Ice and Fire podcast. <laughs> I just it's, it's uh, one of the closest <laughs> parallels you can come up with, really, though, isn't it? And I think it's important to really, really, really. It's the fault of all those entertainment magazine articles that came out when the show came out. Is the Witcher with, the new Game of with, Thrones? With, with, is the Witcher the new Polish Game of Thrones? And no, to yeah. be clear, Game of Thrones <laughs> is the American Witcher. Oh. 
Yes. <laughs> the at least, yeah, at least the Witcher is fucking finished. finished. Yes. <laughs> it has an ending that is yeah. a beautiful yes. ending. Like the yes. Sapek honestly had a moment, like like from what I understand, when he was like, when he like had finally fucking finished Lady of the Lake. From what I understand, he basically went around Poland more or less constantly promising people to never write anything about the Witcher <laughs> again because he's done now. He's done. Like and then he did Season of Storms. And then he made yeah. Season of Storms. Um... <laughs> you know what is crazy though? Speaking of Lady of the Lake, that didn't come out in English until twenty seventeen. And this show was on the air in 2019. How fast did Lauren History turn that shit around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She is incredible. I mean, this is uh, Lauren History um, fan cast half the time. Yes, uh, Lauren, (laughs) we love you. Like, like, thank you. There is, there is, there, there will be no bad words said about Lauren here ever. To be clear, yes, ever, yes, yeah. I just think it's amazing that it's like it's not like she was pitching the show based on the earlier books either because her initial pitch was starting with Lady of the Lake and focusing on Siri. So she has to have turned this whole thing around from 2017 to a show being on the air in 2019. Yeah. Some lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> um yes, okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, there's nothing to apologize for. <laughs> this is an annual uh, Lauren history. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, it's fan cast. <laughs> yeah. we, we just stand the women, like, like, yeah. All the women of The Witcher, yeah. both real and fictional, yeah, our hats are off to you. Yes, yes, real fictional actor. Or, or they would be if I had <laughs> yes. a hat. I do not. Yes. I left my Utica in Perth and Bankfoot, yeah. which is a shame because it's very comfy. Oh yeah, wait though. No, I oh. like this. Is, this is this is very stereotypical, but I They're do have really a cozy. <laughs> I have two actually. I have two. I'm the only one on this podcast who doesn't have one. When we when we have uh, guys, when we have merch, we're gonna sell uh, the Witcher cast Brad Dushankas. <gasps> Anushanka uh, with the wolf um, medallion on the front instead of the Soviet insignia, which they're usually fucking sold with. Yes. <laughs> okay, if you don't buy them on Amazon, you can't get normal Ushankas without Soviet insignias, just so you know. Yes, you don't have I to go to bring, surplus shops. <laughs> I, can, I, can bring you some, I can bring you some with a Lithuanian coat of arms, it's fine. Oh, like, that would be very yeah, on brand. I would take that. <laughs> that would be very on brand. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, Ushankas with Wolf Medallions coming to our currently non-existent merch shop in 2020X. <laughs> with, with the t-shirt, uh, Witches Be Pentagramming. Witches Be Pentagramming and <laughs> the witchers are like the carbon tax. Uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a witcher of the sustainability school. <laughs> oh my god, I just laughed too hard, my headset fell off. <laughs> Look what you've done, trying to find a way to get back on topic. Yes. <laughs> I don't think there is a topic. Guys, I'm not gonna lie, like, I think we, we lost the topic sometime around the time when we turned to a song of ice and fire. <laughs> like... I'm gonna have to edit this shit into something coherent. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, Erin. Um... <laughs> Right, so no, right. We, were t- okay, we were talking about world building. That's what we were doing. Yeah, so in terms, world building, um, 
you can compare authors. It has a stop. It has managed to establish, like you know, like this is actually like very fascinating, like in that regard, in the sense that like Sapik has already managed to like establish a lot about the universe very succinctly in the in these early short stories. He does exposition yes. without it being obnoxious or obvious that it is a lot of exposition. Like when he talks about you know the flowers and the properties of the flowers. Or when he's yeah. talking about sorceresses and how they're made and the sacrifices that they have to do to get their powers and all that kind of thing. He establishes a lot about the world and how it must function like, without yeah. going into obnoxious detail. Yeah, and like, you know, he if you talk about... establishes the entire human elf race war in like a couple of pages. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you know, that, this is the thing. Like, okay, like, just to list off, like, everything about the world that remains a constant theme that, that was established over the short stories in The Last Wish Witchers as a concept, uh, Care Morin, mm-hmm. uh, the Temple of uh, Melitele and Elander, and the Cult of Melitele broadly. Like, I mean, I think actually, like, frankly, most of the religions we ever see are already mentioned in these short stories because the Cult of the Prophet mm-hmm. Labioda is mentioned elsewhere like uh it's mentioned yeah, in the last hum- human chapters. elf hu- human elf race war uh, uh, the nature of monsters conjunction of the spheres the nature of monsters can be yeah basically yeah. the conjunction of the spheres eskil is name dropped for the first time look here's a quite a funny thing um so the lafayette translation misgendered eskil in the in the last wish <laughs> like like uh. eskil is listed is is listed as Geralt's. like li- li- first of all first of all like okay, so Lithuanian, right, as a language, um, attaches like you know suffixes to your name that are based on like and not just your name, but like pretty much any noun that are based on your grammatical and literal gender if you're a living person. Mm. Um, so um, instead of Eskelas, which would be you know masculine, mm. they ended up with Eskele, which is feminine. <laughs> like um, and they and they called her uh, they called. Yeah, I mean, I should say him, but in this case, her. Like, um, like, like they, 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 they called, they called Eskel, um, like, uh, Geralt's she classmate because that's a word in Lithuanian. Like, oh, right. So classmate as. So 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 accidentally in the Lithuanian translation of the Last Wish, like the the Eskel's the Witchers Meridian, were named and were made into into a gender neutral like you know organization in the sense that like you know both men and women could join. Great, that's awesome. Yeah. Also, also completely <laughs> a misunderstanding because like they they like you know um they just must have fucking misread something in the Polish, but like because. Polish is also quite a gendered language, and it would have, they would have probably, should have been probably able to recognize that Eskel is meant to be well, a guy. As um, we know, all translations of The Witcher are meticulous and <laughs> wrong, so. <laughs> the I mean, ones are like, it is, it is not the worst problem in this book, like, in its Lithuanian <laughs> translation, because in another bit, the Lithuanian translation literally just omits a paragraph, oh. like, and makes and makes like a little moment very confusing, and like because like it's clearly unintentional. Like it's just like clearly somebody accidentally backspaced an entire paragraph because it's the mm-hmm. bit it's the bit in um in the story the story the last wish where Geralt and Kiredan are in jail right um and mm-hmm. where you know like um where the um, like uh, thieves in the jail are going like we're honest thieves not some politicals we don't want to sit with people who like 
made like you know an attempt to seize power <laughs> like <laughs> like like um in the Lafayette translation um they they just cut this down by accident to like the first line where they basically just like say that like they just don't want to sit with them like they accidentally deleted the we're honest thieves, not some political right. part. So it's just like mean girls. Can't sit with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, oh my god, that's really like, funny. Like, actually. sorry. I'm... Yes, but it's but it's but it's but it makes it quite confusing because like they still leave the line like a couple lines down later where Geralt asks Kiredan, "Wait, is it true that I tried to you know attack the authorities?" Like, and it's just funny because that comes out of nowhere. Oh, of course, yeah. That's not mentioned. Like in Dolphaya translation, so <laughs> like the only reason I know that exists is because I've also read an English translation of Last Wish. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Like because otherwise, I wouldn't just been perplexed where this fucking comes from. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Um, but yeah, speaking of the world building, uh, probably worth noting the things that because this was written uh, as we say, as if we'd gotten the Silmarillion published in bits. Yeah. As Tolkien was writing and revising it rather than altogether after he'd worked on it for his entire life until he died. Um, basically, um, there's a lot that went into, of course, the, 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 the short stories that either then gets slightly revised by the, the interstitials that were written later, or that's even in the interstitials that is giving us a, an idea of what's going to happen with the world, but then sort of um, some of the, the specifics change. So, I mean, from, you know, the... The, the first The Witcher short story, it, it seems like he was writing your standard fantasy trope of like magic returning to a world where it had, you know, not been um, because it was like, oh, witchers are new, monsters are new. Um, and then by the that very shortly gets revised to like, oh, actually, we're running out of monsters and the, the world is becoming less magical. Um, I think you can just interpret that through if you're being generous an imperfect narrator um you know maybe if you're being generous just I mean, say oh the storytellers wrong <laughs> rather than it being mm-hmm. overtly retcon I mean, I mean that's the difference between whether you decide to take um to borrow fandom terms generally a a, a watsonian or a doyleist approach to the to the problem mm. i don't know if you guys are familiar with those sort of the quick tumblery fandom terms no it's new to me what's what what's it mean Okay, so it's the idea of, like, if you're interpreting Sherlock Holmes stories, if you take a Watsonian approach, it means you're trying to explain things within the idea of what Watson was writing and what Watson's motivations were and how this is flawed because it's Watson writing his perspectives, etc. If you're taking a Doyleist approach, you're trying to explain what Arthur Conan Doyle was doing. Okay, that's that's cool. I like that. Um... Yes. So, like, I was taking a Doyleist approach by talking about, you know, he was writing these you know, months apart and hadn't had a plan yet and sort of was revising as he was going and then you were taking a, a Watsonian approach. Well, internally, the storyteller was unreliable, etc. Ah, well, that's cool. Yes. I've learned a new thing today. Yeah. We have terms now <laughs> for this. Cool. <laughs> How many ter- There's so many, like, weird and wacky internet sub-community terms that we've dropped in this over the years. You know, like, pantsers and plotters and now what's... Uh, Watsonians mm-hmm. and Doylists. Um, yes. I am I am fascinated by the idea that the, that the narrator is just unreliable. By the way, because like um, that's entirely explainable from the from if you take the view of the later books that this entire story, um, at least up to a point, is uh, Dandelion's autobiography. Um, because then you yes. can take the stance that the short stories are 
uh, prose adaptations of individual songs. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Well, of course, yeah, because we know that Dandelion is like one of the most unreliable narrators in history. Indeed. <laughs> yes. So. Yes, and of course the show does such a great job, but right from the first time the show introduces him, immediately gives us, you know, oh, well, you know, respect doesn't make history. And away he goes with his fake song. Um, I'm so proud of the show for how well I it's mean, done. I mean, I'm going po- <laughs> to pose an even, even, fun, even funnier theory, admittedly, about the, the Witcher, as in the short story The Witcher, to you guys, though, that that one is just Nilfgaardian propaganda. <laughs> uh, because it does read like it doesn't oh, it? Makes Geralt like look bad. it doesn't just make Geralt look bad it it depicts you know like the king of Temeria as an incestuous lunatic like um like you know the, 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 you could you could argue that half of it might well be but fucking made up well it, yeah, it, it portrays the, the queen of Sintron not in a great light um <laughs> Yeah, if we're gonna talk about the whole of the Last Wish, yeah, it makes yeah, it makes Calanthe look terrible and like. <laughs> I think like, this is a good reading of it. I think reading like, it as, frankly, yeah. Geralt, like you know, oh, the Brotherhood of Wizards are monsters. Geralt is depicted as a manipulative, <laughs> manipulative child snatcher, whereas it's entirely possible that what actually happened was was much more like the TV series episode, like mm-hmm. where it, you know it was just a misunderstanding. Last Wish, like no Guardian propaganda against Yennefer. The Last Wish. Wish is the Guardian propaganda. That's my theory. <laughs> yes, because it totally does make the Brotherhood look like absolute monsters as well for tolerating Stregobor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's all the Guardian propaganda. <laughs> there we go. That is our uh, our Watsonian interpretation. It's provided oh. to you by Lilfgaard today. <laughs> <laughs> Presented by the only, the, only, the only reliable news that will tell you everything that you that you that you wanted to know about the Northern Kingdoms, um, and everything that they wanted you to know about Nilfgaard. Fringel <laughs> <laughs> Vigo got paid a million Novigrad crowns to present the, <laughs> to write the news for you. <laughs> Fringilla Vigo as the Margar- Margarita Simonian of. <laughs> Of Dilfgaard today. Spicy. Yes. Okay, but were we ever going to be anything but spicy? I'm not. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I kind of love the fact that I thought of this, and this is now how I'm interpreting it. <laughs> I, I think I'm with you on this. I think it's good. <laughs> I mean, where else but discussing the Wish are you doing spicy Eastern Europe takes? <laughs> the, the, only, the only reliable short story in The Last Wish is ironically The Last Wish itself, because it was inserted by a political dissident to sabotage like this propaganda work <laughs> by making Geralt yes. look like actually likable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is headcanon yes. now. This is the stance of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Declan Levarden inserted inserted the last wish into the last wish. <laughs> so on that on that note, on that note <laughs> yeah, I think Do that's... not trust Elfgardian propaganda kids. Beautifully uh, written, but you can't trust it. Be constantly yes. wary. <laughs> I think that's just like the one other thing I wanted to know about the, the world building um things that were sort of like inserted into the interstitials that uh, we couldn't talk about it because it's spoilers, but we can talk about yep. it here. Um, that was at that last that 
the last couple of the voice of reasons where we got the uh the ozone layer yes it does start to bring into the world the sort of the idea of climate change and environmental collapse in some sense yes yes um because the larger plot of the um the siri the well series whole destiny is supposed to be that she is going to be um, part of this line that will be able to open portals again, like basically conjunction of the series round two almost, and um, allow everyone or at least chosen people to escape this dying planet. Um, because uh, what the, the, the thing that is killing the planet eventually emerges to be a kind of global cooling, um, but it seems like he hadn't um, completely decided what it was going to be yet, and in the case of The Last Wish, he is framing it as uh, basically ozone layer depletion, mm. because um, yeah, because I mean, what Nanika is saying is like, there's too much she basically says, there's the sun shines but not as it used to, and the, something about the rays now burns the plants and they can only grow here where they're covered by the glass, and see, like, Geralt asks, shouldn't we stay out of it too? And she says, that's ah, too late. See, like th- there's also an interesting thing there, because like, I don't know, I don't know what um, was the original Polish. Yet again, <coughs> we suffer from like lack of access to the original material or knowledge of the original language. But um, I sort of feel like I should be bugging us here and Sasha before we record. And I keep like pretending. there isn't a bad. That wouldn't be a bad idea because like because like the Lufthansa <laughs> translation translated it not just as not as it used to, but not as strongly as it used to. Oh, because in the English one, she's very clear that like it is burning the plants. Like it is. It, she's also very clear that there are there are there are deadly rays in the sunlight now. But she's yeah. also implying yeah. that the that the star itself is dying. So that's interesting. So in the Lithuanian translation, it is implying global cooling due to reduced solar activity, but also ozone hole layer. Yeah, ozone yeah, they can both they, they yeah. Can happen at the same time. Yeah, so a lot of environmental collapse. Honestly, like, um, <laughs> your son is about to die is not an unconvincing ar- not, not, a, not an unconvincing explanation for what the white white frost is going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that is that is a very very reasonable explanation. So we're possibly seeing the groundwork, depending on how that translation went, because um, I can totally see the English translator saying, "Ah, oh, weaker and ozone hole, ozone layer hole." That doesn't make sense. Then dropping the weakening um, part, like maybe I think the, I think the, the moral English. of the story really is that like it is, we should like be very careful when over analyzing like specific wording just because just yeah. because the translations are so unreliable <laughs> <laughs> yes um but i think that's really that's really um interesting how early as well um his vision for the larger plot around environmental collapse was going to be uh because i mean the interstitials were written later but they weren't written that much later yeah yeah, because as know, as yeah. as we know, they were all written in the in the um, uh, state chancellery of the Nilfgaardian Empire <laughs> <laughs> in a relatively short period of time, because they needed to counter anti-state narratives that were spreading throughout the northern provinces. <laughs> All right, I think on that note, um, that is, I think, everything we needed to say to, yes. to, to wrap up. Yeah. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Join us again next time when we start reading The Sword of Destiny. 
Uh, and we will be starting with the first story, which is The Bounds of Reason, which is the uh, the story that is uh, roughly episode six of the show. So the Dragon Hunt episode. Um, people who have watched the show version are in for a treat slash surprise, I would say. Right. Our music is Medieval Abstraction by Lucas Perny and Miloslav Kolar. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org and you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr as at the Witcher cast or email us at castupontoyourwitcher at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.